Welcome to another episode of Married with Video Games. I'm your host, Matthew. Uh, I'm your host, Christina. And you're going to hear a dog playing with a ball somewhere in this podcast. Yeah, he's. it's been rainy all day, so he's, he's been, been stuck inside. inside. He hasn't been able to go on a walk. He is mad hyper right now. Yes. Anyway, we played Returnal. This game is wild. <laughs> it's so good. It is very, very good. I'm actually surprised how much I enjoyed watching you play it. Yeah, she was pretty glued watching this. Every once in a while uh, with games, she'll pull up her phone and, you know, browse and scroll and do stuff. This game, she was pretty glued most of the time. Yeah, there were a couple runs that, you know, it was your third or fourth run for the night because it wasn't going well, and I would pull out my phone because i'm like i'm sick of this stupid snow planet the snow planet was pretty awful hoth <laughs> there were tie fighters on hoth uh-huh it was pretty wild yes but you're, you, you're glad you played it i'm very glad i played it this game is not for everybody and we'll get into details why i'm just happy to do a video game podcast again it's been a hot second or two it has so returnal is a third person sci-fi shooter roguelike game after crash landing on the planet Atropos, Selene is forced to abandon her ship and hunt for the strange broadcast frequency White Shadow. Along the way, she finds not only is the planet dangerous, but not even death itself will free her from this nightmare, as every time she dies, she comes back to life at her crash ship. Yep. That's a pretty good synopsis. Yep. Pretty, uh, pretty descriptive of what the game is. Anyway, this is Housemark Games' first AAA title. Before that, they've worked on a, a various projects. I'll let you get into some of the details when we go through the reviews and stuff. But this is their first big game. So I was very impressed as a whole uh, for their first big title that they, they worked on that they qualified as a AAA game. What exactly does AAA game mean? High budget, okay. high uh, high caliber. Call of Duties or AAA gotcha. games. Gotcha. Uh, okay. That's what you quantify as something like that. So one of the top like top tier. Gotcha. Is what we call AAA. Excellent. Rather than like an indie project or something like that. Most of their stuff before this were indie projects. Yes. Yeah. I grabbed a couple names. Uh, Matterfall on PS4, Dead Nation, that came out on PS3, PS4, and PS Vita. And the Angry Birds trilogy that came out on PS3 and Xbox oh, 360. Oh, so they're the ones that made it for the, the consoles. Yes. Got yes. it. Okay. Why don't we get into some reviews and then we can really kind of dive in deep to this game. There's a lot involved with this game, guys. Yeah, so it's probably going to be a decent length podcast. So we'll go cover our basis and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So Metacritic, 86 from critics, 7.3 from users. Interesting. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that too, but I think most users were annoyed with the fact that you can't like stop playing in the middle of a run. I think that was an issue with a lot of people. This, this game is deceptive. It really is not for everybody. Yes. So let's just throw that out there right now and then go ahead and give us some positive and negative and then we can kind of talk yes. about why. So I grabbed from IGN, so IGN's positive. These are actually both very long. Um I apologize. Don't be. This is fun. <laughs> it's good. Every level is a sight to behold, whether it's the dark, gloomy, and alien vibe of the overgrown ruins, the doom-esque feel of the crimson wastes, or the ancient mechanical atmosphere of the derelict citadel. 
It helps, too, that there's a great variety in the challenges of the many rooms. Despite the procedural generation that keeps Returnal from becoming too predictable, enemies and environmental elements always feel deliberately placed, especially the grapple points that allow you to put distance between you and especially dangerous foes, deadly pits that punish careless movement, and loads of secrets lying in wait. There are a bunch of secrets. So many. A lot of wild things in this game. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're negative, kind of what we were going off before. One of the key aspects of the roguelike genre that Returnal does not nail is that nagging feeling of, quote, just one more run. That's because a run through Returnal lasts way too long. If you're going to get anywhere near the end, your run is almost always going to be at least about two hours long, which is exhausting. It also means you have to clear your schedule when you sit down to play because there's no saving your progress at any point in the run. Unless you're done with that run, you cannot play any other game. You cannot fully turn the PS5 off, only put it in rest mode, which is risky in and of itself, or do anything else that closes the application. And obviously, you'd better hope it doesn't crash. Yeah, we'll cover that in a negative, but one of the big things about roguelikes is being able to pause or save in the middle of a run and keep going in case you have to get up and walk away from your run. You can't do that in this one at all. There were three different nights that I can remember of you playing where we were up much later than we wanted to because you were doing so well in your run or you had made it farther than a previous run, got to a new world and we're just exploring and then kind of got super careless because it was so late and we just wanted to go to bed where you're like, well, I'm just going to kill myself now. Mm hmm. Because there was no, like, I'll pause it here and pick back up tomorrow. Yeah, and the late nights were, including beating the final boss, I had a wildly good run, and when I beat the final boss for the first time, I think we were up to, like, 10.30. (laughs) Which isn't late for most people, but it is for us. So we like to be up, and we like to head up to bed around 10 o'clock. Yes. We didn't head up into bed until about 10.45. Yeah, that was a really good night of playing Returnal, Yeah, and then... You know, we went to bed around midnight rather than getting bed closer to 11 like we like to. We're old people here, guys. We're not that old. We're just old people. I'm secretly 87, so. <laughs> 95 here, guys. So, uh... <laughs> so actual gameplay for this game, it's a third-person shooter. You always start each run with a pistol, but the chance of randomly getting a weapon along the way happens quite frequently. Uh, In fact, almost every chest has a weapon or some kind of artifact or item that you can collect inside of it. Now, you have to unlock the weapon to have it generate in new runs. But when you find and unlock the weapon, it'll it'll spawn randomly in the world going forward. So after you die, after let's say you found uh, the Electroweb weapon, which makes little sparks between each other and kills guys by generating fields of electricity. If once you find it, you can find it in the beginning, the overgrown ruins going forward. Whereas before, you start with a pistol, and I think the carbine rifle is the one you'll find next. It's how it was in your game. I didn't look into whether that's always how it goes. You can only have one weapon on at a time, though, so keep that in mind. You can't switch between weapons. You only carry one at a time. Uh, They're unlimited ammo, so you don't have to worry about picking up ammo or anything like that. Selene can jump, she can dash, and then she gets various tools throughout the way... (laughs) that lets you get through so like they mentioned before you get a grappling hook you do find a melee weapon in the first world which lets you do melee damage to enemies and you can unlock new areas with all sorts of these things 
Uh, I think the other items are uh, underwater boots. You can also go through the lava. There's an item that lets you walk through. It looks like lava. It's kind of some kind of malice or something like that. Yeah, and then the one where you can see the glowing orbs and shoot them, and then you get these platforms that were invisible up until that point so I that think, you can jump to I new think that's places. pretty much all the items in the game. Yes, so it's all alien tech that she finds, which I made the comment to you when you found, like, the fourth thing. I was like, oh, so she's turning into a Phyrexian. Mm-hmm. Any Magic <laughs> the Gathering players out there will understand that. Yes, I just thought of Mishra during the Brothers War. But the those are the few of the items that you keep after you die. So once you die... You lose everything that you found with the exception of this uh, type of material called ether, which is a spending material that lets you cleanse certain items and buy certain things with it. And those select items we just mentioned that you can utilize in earlier areas that you couldn't access before they let you access new areas of the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of that, it's a bullet hell. It's the type of almost like what it, what I would call it. And that is why yeah. I say it's not for everybody. If you cannot handle consistent movement, dodging, jumping, shooting, melee, it is you're moving the whole time in combat. I would hate every second of this. It was like watching you play control because control you had to do a lot of maneuver moving while shooting and i i have to like stand perfectly still and like move the aim and mm -hmm. stay perfectly still only Only i I may dance dance. Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) that Mm -hmm. is your gameplay style it is in this game you are always moving you're always dodging and you can have a really really bad run a lot of i felt some of the game was luck-based, based on what you items you found. So I'm sure there's people that were good with the rocket launcher. I was terrible with it. I hated finding that stupid weapon. And there's some weapons that I just didn't like, and there's other weapons that I went, oh, oh, this is really, really, really good and overpowered. Yeah, the weapon that I didn't like, was it the rot gland lobber? The one that did poison damage. I didn't... I liked the poison damage. I just didn't like how it shot. It was like a rainbow arc of the bullets, and it just drove me crazy, and I don't know why. It's pretty powerful when it was beefed yeah, up. Yeah, when you enemies had were some... draining pretty quick when yeah, you hit them with it. When you had two or three of the um, like additional benefits on it, then it was really good, but just the style of shooting, I did not The carbine enjoy. rifle turned out to be clutch for the final boss that was one of the best weapons Mm -hmm. the hollow seeker was one of the best weapons to get through earlier areas Mm -hmm. and then the electro web gun is the other one that's really powerful against regular enemies but not bosses Mm -hmm. it was wildly good Mm -hmm. so there's different types of enemies there were six biomes total uh, like she said, the Overgrown uh, Ruins, which we called Overgrown Tomb. Overgrown Tomb, yes. Uh, the next one was uh, Desert. Crimson Waste. Yeah, Crimson Waste. And the third one was the Derelict Citadel. The fourth biome was, I don't remember, was it Echoing Ruins? Yes. Which is a variant of the Overgrown Ruins. Yes. The Fractured Waste, which the Crimson, it was frozen basically a frozen version of the, uh, the desert it was basically like, toasterina and yes, mario and <laughs> super mario odyssey yes it was and then the abyssal scar which was an underwater area 
Yes, that one was cool. That one also seemed like it was the largest or the longest area to get through. It is the final area where the final boss is, and a lot of suicidal guys come at you in that one. Yeah, but those guys at least die with one shot. Yeah, unlike the TIE Fighters. Yeah, we get into how much we hate them later, so (laughs) we're just going to keep alluding to that. (laughs) Ultimately, again, it's a platformer, it's a shooter, it's a roguelike. Uh, I would I would place it maybe just under Dark Souls difficulty, uh, maybe on par with it. If this is not a game where you're used to moving around and shooting and dodging and doing stuff like that, it's in the same realm. For I'm going to ask you because you've played the Dark Souls games. For those games, when you die, don't the bad guys get harder, or you just don't get as much health? It depends on what game. Okay. Uh, the original Demon Souls, when you die, the enemies get harder. Okay. In those areas, uh, in Dark Souls, it's not the case, but in Dark Souls and Demon, like you'll lose your collected upgrade stuff that you get. The souls that you collect that usually let you upgrade your stats, you drop them, mm-hmm. and you have a chance to go pick them back up. This game, there's nothing like that. When you die, you can find echoes of yourself where you died before, and you can avenge yourself or avenge other players that died. Yeah, that's an Act Three where that comes up as an option. And in this one, you also find parasites that give you buffs and debuffs at the same time and then you also have the chance to find artifacts which buff up your character Mm -hmm. and items that you can use use and you start off with one item slot and you actually can unlock up to two more item slots so a, a lot of the gameplay is is it worth the negative for the positive effect and sometimes it was oftentimes for me i was like oh no that's awful Oh, yeah. I took a picture of all your stats because I made you look those up. Oh, for when when I finally, like, completed the game? Yes. Your accumulated suit data. You want me to say all these Yeah, go ahead. Go through everything. (laughs) So, deaths, 46. That was before I beat the game. Areas explored, 293. Hostiles eliminated, 4,670. Yeah, that's right. Max adrenaline reached, 80. Okay. Successful overloads, 1,455. An overload, everybody, is you have an opportunity to refill your ammo instantly. While once you run out, a bar will slowly move. And if you hit the shot in the range, it'll reload automatically. Yes, we'll talk about that as well. Because I added in a thing about the controller. Okay. Oh, it's wild. Yes. Malfunctions, 127. Okay, those are all the debuffs that were on me. Yes. And then Parasites, 58. Yeah, Parasites, I often avoided. Most of the time, the bad outweighed the good. In my, yes, so every, every once in a while, it was like the Obelites will disappear five, like a second faster. And I'm it's like, like, whatever, who cares? Who cares at that <laughs> point? I'd rather have my max integrity increase. Integrity is your health in the game. Let's jump into the story. Yes. And then circle back a little bit into the gameplay because we can kind of talk about, you know, enemies and good stuff here. But the story is a little out there, everybody. So we're going to start with the part one story. Yes. And then kind of get into part two story. Yes. Do you want to do part two or part one? Or do you want to kind of just interchange here? How do you have this written? I was making a note. 
of, so, uh, to add things. Because you made a whole list of the story, but is that like the... This is, uh, this is my little notes over here are interpreting the ending. Okay, so we're going to... The gonna, final true We will ending. let you know when we're going to talk about the actual ending of the game, guys. I would say we give a spoiler warning when we hit uh, the end of Act 2. So... Oh, Act 1 or Act 2? Act, Act 1... So, act one, uh, yeah, act one, because that's a big, like, mid-game twist. Yeah, so there's a big twist in this game, guys, and so we're going to let you know when that happens. But, so, the actual story is you play as Selene, and she's a woman who crash-landed on a planet called Atropos. She's trying to contact the company she works for, which is Astra, but she can't get through because this signal called White Shadow is blocking it, and a mysterious astronaut she keeps running into is kind of keeping her on this planet. She abandons her ship, Helios. Uh, that's the name of her ship. To, and she basically, she wants to find and disable White Shadow. That's the basis of the story. Yes. Uh, you find it's an old alien civilization that you're on. That's why you're in the overgrown ruins. These ruins are, again... For, look like forests at this point. I keep thinking you're calling it the wrong thing because we kept calling it overgrown, overgrown tomb, tomb after the magic card. Yes, it is kind of a tomb as well. It is, uh, and you find these, you find re- remnants of these aliens in places. Uh, you find these vi- these alien ciphers, so you can start just you know translating translating the words that they have. The weird th- one of the things that you find out right away is when you die, you start back at your ship. Yes. And she realizes that she's trapped in a loop on this planet. Death loop. Not to be confused with death loop. Yes. Which got delayed until the fall. It was a good way of setting up a roguelike thing where you die and you start back at the beginning. Uh, another game that did it really well. I'm going to forget the name of the game. But you played as your ancestor. So when you died, one of your ancestors oh, that's funny. takes up your mantle and goes in into the next one. So you keep going through this dungeon, and your ancestors get a little bit farther and farther every time they go through the dungeon. That's awesome. I thought it was a kind of an interesting way. This one kind of puts in that death loop thing, and she's trapped in this death life cycle and trying to find this um, thing. And she actually will find audio, pod, audio casts of herself trying to get through the planet. Prior versions so of herself. So time is moving forward still, even though she's dying and reviving. Yeah, she's not technically aging when she comes back, but no. she keeps finding versions of herself. Sometimes she sounds absolutely insane, which I know a lot of critics had some issues just with, like, the wording of things i guess like it got too it became like too melodramatic and over the top for a fair amount of critics so for me i'm looking at a perspective of someone who's probably died a thousand times oh yeah absolutely so like you can tell even when you land on the planet that's not the first time she's been on the planet right She'll find audio logs of herself her past selves so she knows she's been through this a thousand times or more Mm mm-hmm so she's perpetually in in a, in a hell at this point for herself because she keeps dying and coming back to life and she doesn't realize her other selves mm-hmm. and some of them rem- remember and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. So this Celine finally seems like to be the one that the one we're playing seems to be the one that keeps remembering her deaths and pushing forward, but she doesn't remember the prior deaths that she had before that. On each run. You'll find different audio logs and more items you unlock into different areas. You'll find different audio logs of 
herself and she kind of is trying to figure out this planet the aliens she figures out the aliens on this world were also trapped in a cycle so something with the technology on this world created this life death cycle and they were all trapped in it as well mm-hmm. the only really bizarre thing from the beginning of the game is Celine's house is on this planet or a replica of the house I should say yes things are out of place weird every time and every time you get access to go inside the house, weird things start happening. She'll have different flashbacks. She'll have she'll find different toys and the weird alien stuff will happen. She'll hear recordings that were left a long time ago. She'll see the astronaut hanging outside trying to break in, then sometimes he's in the hallway. Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. It's creepy. It's, it's very, very much weird. Uh, it's very much a psychological thriller. Yeah, when it's you got get the sci-fi, those. it's got the psychological. It's it's like a crossbreed of alien meets a Lovecraft novel. Yeah, and the scenes that take place in the house go to uh, first person. Yeah, from the, you're a third person shooter most of the time. And it reminded me a little bit of like uh, Resident Evil Seven. You never played PT, did you? No. It reminded me of a game called PT. I'll show you some video of it. Okay. Sometime, you can't get access to it. I don't think anymore, but there's still video of it. It's on the computer, but not on PlayStation anymore. Oh, okay. It was a demo for what the new Silent Hill was going to be. Uh, that was the game Norman Reedus was going to be in with Kojima. Until, oh, and then they switched to Death Konami Stranding. And, yeah, okay. And then Death Stranding got made in its place. But it was supposed I to be a Silent like Hill. I feel like you've shown me things for that before. It's a, literally a loop where you're walking through a house, and every time you go through it, gets darker and creepier every time you walk through the the loop of the house. Yeah, that sounds like Kojima. Yeah, so he was gonna do <laughs> he was gonna do the Silent Hill game, and it was Norman Reedus. I thought it was kind of cool. Too bad it never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. After you discover White Shadow, you get off the planet. This is this is a spoiler warning. This is a spoiler warning. So you actually get off the planet. She lives throughout her life, and it goes to her at her funeral. Her family's at her funeral. She gets put into the ground. You literally have a first-person POV of getting be- lowered into the gravesite. And then she revives on Atropos 60 years later, basically. So she lives another 60 years. Lives her entire life, dies, wakes back up on Atropos. And she goes... Oh, I'm still in the loop. I never got out. Yes. Where is... And this is where a big twist in the actual point... Well, one, you find out, okay, we didn't break the cycle. One. And two, the the planet is not really what it seems. Yeah. There's more to the planet than what's there. And so I'm going to let you kind of get into this and dive into the new story. Oh my gosh. Because it's really, it's it's convoluted, guys. It is very convoluted, and like you... I actually <sighs> like the original story better than I liked the convoluted one. So up until she dies and then you get revived? I actually liked that point, and I liked a little bit afterward. I like a clear and concise story. This one was almost a little too convoluted. Like, I, don't, I looked things up. I don't mind having a little leave it into interpretation. I like a little bit this of that. This one was too vague. There's too much. There was too vague. You don't really know who's who, who's what, if this person exists, if they don't exist. So, was it... The end of Act 2, where you get the flashback scene to the kid in the car with the person that Once you like... beat the game, 
Okay. You get a flashback. So once you beat the game the first time... And you go back to the house? No, this is before you even go back. This is not the car one where you get out of the See, car. I'm, I'm thinking the car. Okay, the so... Fir- the first car, not the, not the very last secret ending car. Where it's the... So the first time you beat the boss... Go ahead. Yeah. You, you're in the car, and it looks like a little girl's in the back seat... Asks if you can, if can you hear or see the white shadow? That's before, I think that happens before the crash. I think that's in like act two, act two somewhere. Okay, so let me, let me go to my, this is how convoluted it is. So once you beat the game, everybody, you you start to find out that she might, Atropos might not even be real. The planet itself might not be real. This all could be happening inside of her head. Once you beat the game, there's a creature. You see this creature in the wheelchair. No, this is that's that's the secret ending. Oh, that is the secret ending. Dear Lord. <laughs> so once you beat the game, you this creature's there, and she's like, "Are you the reason why I'm here?" And what happens is you start to get this memory of her driving a car, and there's a little girl in the back seat. And what happens is she's driving. Maybe she does say, can you see the white shadow? And she's looking in the backseat like, I don't understand what you're talking about. She just looks annoyed and like turns the radio up. Yeah, and then what happens is there's an astronaut literally standing in the road. She swerves. She hits the astronaut and goes off a bridge. Yeah, and sinks into the water. By astronaut, we mean someone in like a full space suit. Straight up astronaut. And so she wakes up and she's trying to grab her little girl out of the backseat and then gets dragged out by some kind of creature. Yes. And then she wakes back up at the be- at the ship in the third act. And then this allows you to go back and forth between the overgrown ruins. Yeah, the first three and the echoing levels ruins. and the last three levels. Okay. So the issue that people have with that first car scene where the driver looks like Celine. Celine has two different color eyes. Mm-hmm. She's got a brown one and a blue one. And the woman driving the car in that first one just has brown. So everyone's thought is that that's Celine's mother, who was also an astronaut. And it's Celine in the back seat. Mm. That's the main consensus. When you beat... When you get the final secret ending, you're kind of taken back to that same scene. Where you're swimming out of the car. Yeah, but then you're also kind of the astronaut in the middle of the road to cause the car to crash. Yeah, you're the astronaut in the car to cause it to crash. There's a weird skeletal astronaut that's named Thea, I think. Thea is her mom. And she says, Celine. And Celine's like, I want you to go get away from me, or I told you to leave me like, alone. You deserved this, or something, something along the way. She pushes lines. her over, and then you're in the car, co- like you see her in the astronaut suit. Yes, but then she's also in the car, and then swerves back into the depths, the underwater depths. And she's swimming to the surface, and looks like right before she drowns or is going to drown, she says Helios. Helios, which is the name of her ship. So people think that's her son. Yes. So here's some here's some theories. theories. Do your theory as well. I'll do that at the end. So IGN says a few things are consistent no matter how you interpret the endings. The recurring crash on the planet's surface is clearly a stand-in for the real car crash that's central to Celine's trauma. 
The white shadow represents an astronaut in the middle of a dark road, and the abyssal scar represents the bottom of the river, which is the car's final resting place. Mm-hmm. There's one other thing for the last car scene where everybody, you know, she makes it to the surface mm-hmm. at the very least and leaves her child behind. So she thinks she may have just abandoned her kid. Abandoned her kid, but then when you start that next loop after you get that quote-unquote true ending, she makes the comment or you find the log that's like, as I lay dying on the side of the road. So she escapes from the car but then basically dies and mm-hmm. she's stuck in purgatory or like this is it's some going kind on of, in her brain. Yes. Um, so Game Revolution had some thoughts. Uh, it depends on how literal your interpretation of the game is. Even though there is some room to see it as an actual journey into space that has gone awry, the game more heavily supports the idea that Celine was never an astronaut and therefore did not venture out into the stars. In this scenario, Atropos would appear to be some sort of purgatory brought upon her by the big monster and the lake she crashed into. Because I remember at the beginning of the game, in one of the house scenes, you pick up that letter from Astra that says, like, Dear Applicant, and it's like, Sorry, you're not good enough. Yeah. Um, So, Game Revolution. Her problems could be manifesting as the events seen in the game, especially given how it indicates that she was a poor absentee mother to Helios. This gives more meaning to the Helios abandoned message that pops up at the start of every loop as the player moves into the first room away from the ship. Every loop also begins with her ship crashing, symbolically mirroring her car crash that put her into the loop. She also spins a globe in the house and says she, quote, always wanted to leave, hinting that she wanted to become an astronaut. The letter in the second house sequence is also a rejection letter to a quote-unquote applicant from Astra, which gives credence to this theory. Mm. My theory while going through all of this is that uh, both endings are different versions of Selene, maybe alternate universes or whatever. The Selene we're playing as a mashup of these two alternate universe versions, hence the two different colored eyes. One universe is her mother crashing the car with her Selene in the backseat. Mm-hmm. The other is Selene crashing the car with her son Helios in the backseat. Either way, Atropos is all in her head and it's her way to atone slash escape as she's running out of oxygen. Either way, she's she's trapped in a purgatory, basically. She's trapped right? in a purgatory. There is a crazy Reddit theory where, like, white shadow is, like, a degenerative disease that, like, her mom had and Celine has. And then if it's Helios in the backseat saying, do you see the white shadow? Then it's like, oh, no, he has it, too. And that one's just way too convoluted for me. Even this is really convoluted. Like, it's interesting, but it's... You really... There's not enough information, even with all the reading of the side stuff. And all the, it just doesn't give you enough information to make an actual story. It's not like Dark Souls or Demon Souls, where they don't really tell you a story. You find it out through lore, through the game. But you can piece together everything that's happening by playing through and being attentive. No matter how attentive you are, there's still too much ambiguity for yeah, people to figure it out. Like, there was a lot of story and control, and control gave you almost, like, too much information for too big of a story. This one, like, it was just, like, not quite enough. To make it... The story is not what kept us coming back, yeah. everybody. The gameplay loop was really what kept us coming back. The story was interesting enough, but it was it, that wasn't my driving force to play through the game. No. I want to couple a couple enemies <laughs> and get away from the scary story. <laughs> the scary story. We're going to cover the worst and then the best. There was 
five bosses in this game. There's some mini bosses. There are uh, like level bosses that you could run into. You didn't run into them every time, but they could spawn. The worst boss was the third boss, the derelict citadel boss. Nemesis. I don't. Even, we didn't even have a nickname for this guy. No, he was just very. He was straight out of a Lovecraft novel, though. He had four or five little floaty tentacle dudes by him that would shoot various lasers at you, and he just floated in the background and shot these balls of energy at you, and you had to shoot around his hands. But if you didn't have the right weapon, oh, it was so bad. You only two like at that time. You there was about four or five weapons unlocked. The only ones that were good to use were the carbine rifle and the pistol with the homing shot on it. Mm-hmm. Anything else, I felt like I couldn't do any do enough damage to do anything. The Hollow no. Seeker just didn't do any damage to him for some reason. No, it I was I think the Hollow Seeker's range wasn't good enough for that boss. Mm-hmm. Because after you start getting out of the range of the weapon, it does less damage. Where the carbine had really good range. It did. And so did the pistol with the homing shot. Because it always went towards the target that you needed to hit. The level would split apart in the second part of it. It was hard. The timing was really difficult to figure out when they were... You had to grab a hook to different platforms that would like fall out of the sky. And and if you finally made it to phase three, that was the easiest part of the fight was phase three. Yes. Because you would get launched backwards and then you'd grapple back up and then you'd keep going back and forth with the fight and you'd jump between platforms. It was easier to dodge than anything else, and the timing was easier to predict at that point. Yes. I just felt that boss was more luck-based than actual skill-based. All the other bosses felt like you if you had got enough skill, if you practiced enough, you could beat the boss. That included the second boss. The second boss gave me a lot of trouble, but I figured him out eventually and was able to beat him. Yeah, he didn't take you that long. The worst part about the second level was once you actually made it like into I'll call it the pyramid area even though it wasn't a pyramid kind of kind of like a tomb like a big yeah but that one giant room where it would just spawn all of the uh whiplashes and mysterios oh the aliens yes oh I know <laughs> what you're nicknames about. There, we had a lot of weird nicknames for creatures there was a room that you had to go through no that was the derelict citadel wasn't it for those oh it was never mind I don't area know. two had some weird alien stuff but the second boss wasn't too bad no he wasn't terrible. and you got a warp point that took you right to the boss after you got there yes that was very nice so you could get through most of the desert part you could warp right to the boss rather than doing the temple over and over and over again which was really nice the worst enemy though is what we called the tie fighters they were called drones yes we call them TIE Fighters because that's what they look like and that's what they sounded like they when they flew around. They legitimately look like TIE Fighters. There was two different areas where you'd encounter them. They were in the Derelict Citadel first, and then they were in the Frozen Wastes. Yes. They were worse in the Frozen Wastes. They're hard to kill. They suicide bomb you once they get low enough health. That's just like launch missiles at they you They shoot out of the homing blue. rockets and they have another attack and they attack you in large numbers. They were really hard. Yeah. To a point where I was like, I don't I don't know how to beat these things. And then I found a weapon that made them almost too easy. Yeah, the net creating one. Yeah, it basically creates electrical nets where you shoot it at two different points. So all you do is shoot it by them or stick it to them and then hide around the corner and they all blow up. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was it was impressive how easy they were to kill when you had that gun on a run. So I had that one gun. It took, I got through that whole frozen waste in one run because of that gun. I did everything in one go. And I'm like, oh, crap, I have to fight a boss. There is no boss in the frozen wastes. You get the shoes that get you into the abyss once you beat. But the frozen waste is the only one that makes you go through every zone to get to the end. Every other one doesn't matter. As long as you get the key and get to the boss, you can skip the whole thing. Yeah. The frozen waste, you cannot skip at all. Yes. I have one more bad guy to add to the worst. Okay. Not as bad as the TIE fighter, but really infuriating while we were trying to beat the game to get the true ending was that... Big beastie guy. It was kind of like a mini boss. Maybe the one in Abyssal Scar who would shoot the red arrows and at you and cause malfunctions on your suit. He was awful. And then he'd swipe and he'd hit you and he'd take you down to one health. Yes. Like in like a single hit. Yes. It was a very hard enemy because he would chase you and track you and he'd get up to you really quick. Yes. So he had long range and he would rush in at you. He was tough. And those he would shoot those arrows at you. He'd shoot about 30 and they weren't necessarily homing arrows like the TIE Fighters were, but they would follow you enough so that you They were slow, ever, but yes. if you got hit and you were distracted by something else, auto malfunction. Yep. It was it was rough. Yep. Yeah. All right. There's two bosses that I liked the best. Out of, I mean, there's five total. I liked... Let, let me be fair. I actually thought all the bosses were very creative... They were. And they were set up as a challenging and a loop. I just felt number three was too much of being luck-based. Yes. Where the other bosses I felt you could beat with other weapons and get through with the weapons that you found, Mm -hmm. they just weren't as effective. Number three, I felt only like two or three at the time were good enough to beat that boss. Mm -hmm. So it was just too much for me, I felt. Mm -hmm. But number four, Hyperion... And the last boss, Ophion. Now, number four... He was the organ? Yes. So when you get into the Echoing Ruins, it's called that because you hear music playing in various areas. It turns out it's because Hyperion is at the top playing music that's driving her crazy. It does include a slight echo of the Don't Fear the Reaper riff, which is like a... A song they play throughout. Yes. But, so you're fighting through... And you beat Hyperion, but that boss wasn't super hard. I just really enjoyed the fight. Yeah. It was creative. I liked the musical aspect of it because he Mm -hmm. pretty much ignored you and used the piano to attack you. Yes. Ophion, for a last boss, was really cool. Mm -hmm. Once you figured out the mechanic, you had to shoot these orbs to make uh, make the weak points appear. And then shoot the weak points. Then you shot the weak points. I thought it was a creative boss. Mm -hmm. As long as you... Remembered all the dancing around mechanics of dodging, shooting, dodge, shoot, and just keep keep at the mechanic of moving and, dub- and jumping and just kind of paying attention to your surroundings a little bit. He wasn't terrible. No, he really wasn't. There's a lot going on when you're fighting him. Mm-hmm. And he seems worse than he actually is. Yes. In his three phases, he evolves around and he's just like a Kraken and then he's a Skull Kraken and then he's an even worse Kraken. <laughs> he's an even worse Skull Kraken. <laughs> and it gets intense. Like the final phase is really intense. But once you get to phase three, you'll be pretty confident you can beat him. Yes. I felt, well, after I went through him once and just kind of saw the fight, I was like, I don't know how I'm hurting him. I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then when we went through the second time, I beat him. On my second playthrough, I was like, oh. Oh, I get it. 
Yes. Real fun. Our our best monster. Uh, we didn't. I didn't really. There's a lot of really good monsters, but we called them shambling vents. They were Again, broken automatons. Magic cards. They would basically crawl on the ground and chase you. Yeah, they didn't have legs. But they would auto. They would explode if they got too close to you. And when you blew them up, they leave a circle. The derelict citadel was the area I spent the most time in. I feel like that was the third area, and that's where third you saw area. them. That third area sucked until we got to the Winter Wonderland, which sucked even harder. The nice thing about the third one is once you figured out how to get through it, once you opened up the bridge, you didn't have to go through the whole level again. You could just go yes. to the bridge and go across and start climbing the tower to fight white, you know, find white shadow. I I liked it better once I got there. It was hard. Mm-hmm. Derelict Citadel, I felt unprepared for out of all the areas I went yes. to. Everything else was great. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. We're going to cover some likes and dislikes, and I want to hear if you have anything outside of what I put down here. So, I said the combat and gameplay loop, it really didn't get old. I got tired after a while, and if I had some really bad runs, yeah, it wasn't as much fun. But I enjoyed the combat quite a bit, and that is actually what I got. So, I, I compared it to a mix of Near Automata and Control, which were both games we played and enjoyed. Yes. The music and the environments in this game were unreal. Mm-hmm. They were so good. It was creepy. It was cool. And like I said earlier, it has that Lovecraftian vibe to it. All the weird tentacle monsters everywhere. That's yes. Lovecraftian to a... It is. <laughs> like I said earlier, all the bosses and the areas were challenging. But it was not super discouraging. Mm-hmm. I felt even even when I was having really bad runs, I wasn't super discouraged. I was just like, okay, I'm going to come play this again later. I'm not having a good evening with the game. Yes. And sometimes it's luck-based, but it wasn't discouraging as a whole. And that's what kept me playing. You added the controller. Yes. They did an unreal job. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, if you have the Pulse 3D headset, my buddy brought it over and let me try it for this game freaking wild yeah the rain effect sounds like it's all around you yeah it gives you the 3d audio effect it's really monsters you can sound like when they're behind you you're like oh gosh they're coming up on me it was really built for the playstation 5 and this is kind of the first game since demon souls and spider-man that was truly built just for the playstation not even spider-man was not playstation 5 only no demon souls was the only other game this is the first real playstation 5 only game i guess bug snacks was yeah all the reviews that i looked at basically said that this is the best use of the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers since astro's playroom yeah and the load (laughs) times and everything everything felt truly amazing it was so satisfying they, to play through this game. And they did the smart thing of just making it a PS5 exclusive, which we have talked about. I don't know if we've done it on this podcast, but Cyberpunk should have done that. Made it a PlayStation 5 yeah. and Xbox only version. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. This one is exclusively a PlayStation game, though. Yes. So they ground up built for that system, and you can tell. Yes. Load times were ludicrously fast in this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally, you, you, you there's warp <laughs> points, and when you warp... Well, that was one of the other items. I find that lets you warp between areas. When you get those warp points, it's like one second. Yes. And you're like, snap, you're there. Two seconds sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's wild how quickly you warp between zones and load up areas. You kind of forget about load times playing this game. Yeah, I'm when you go lie. back to play other games with load times, it's really distracting. 
like when you have to load Subnautica below zero. It's like 10, 15 seconds. It's like 15 to 20 seconds, which is much better than when we played it on the PlayStation 4. But it's still like, wow, I'm still waiting for this to load. <laughs> yeah, after playing through Returnal, you're like, oh, this is wild. Dislikes. You can't stop during the run. We made the comment earlier, it would be nice that I could save the spot I'm at for that run specifically Mm -hmm. and pick it up later because it is. You're playing for two hours sometimes. Yeah, IGN, their complaint that I took out was that they stopped mid-run a couple different times, just put it into rest mode. One time they had a system update, so they lost all their progress, like an hour's worth of play. And one time their roommate uh, turned on and played a different game. And it lost all and the data. And it lost all the data. That's just like annoying. I, I, that's, it feels like something so simple to fix. But at the same time, I kind of get why they built the game the way they did. It's but, more the for the aesthetic of it, I feel like. Yeah, but they could have added a point to just let me save my progress so I can come back to the point that I'm at because I'm having an outstanding run. One run I found like eight letters or something in one run yeah you had a that was a really good run (laughs) but you know we knew we were going to be up for a while yeah otherwise if i you know if i had to just quit that's just it's annoying because you just start back at the beginning and you don't lose the stuff you found in that regard but it's not as much uh it's discouraging yeah like we said the third boss was more luck than items and it than actually being a challenging boss it was more luck of what you had to fight him with Mm mm-hmm Frozen Waste and the TIE Fighters. The Frozen Waste is an area, beautiful. Music on point. The enemies there are not great. So bad. They're really hard. The challenging rooms are hard. Everything about those rooms are just super hard. And then I found a gun that made it like I was... Far too easy. Far too easy. (laughs) So it was either or and it just kind of that. And then the story was interesting, but too vague. Too vague. So you got... One night, you got the first ending with the first car scene. Mm-hmm. And then... I got three of the f- six sun fragments to unlock yes, the next one. to go to the next one to get the car keys to get in the sedan to unlock the true ending. But um, I remember you made the comment of like, man, I hope the true ending is happier than the one we got the other night. And I had read everything. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. But like, even... When we got through that ending, you looked at me and were like, what? I don't understand what, just what, what? Yeah. It just went fully over our heads. Yeah, it was just, I'm going to say it again, it was too vague. There was not enough detail on it. The first part of the story felt very clear and concise to me. Mm -hmm. You crash on a planet, you're trying to work your way off the planet, and for some reason you're stuck in this life death loop. That part, I would have been fine if they never explained why you're in the loop. Yeah. But if you found a way off the planet, you got dragged back, and then you go, okay, now I have to find a way to conquer this loop and then work my way off the planet officially, to me, that would have been really cool. Yeah. They didn't do that. I liked that aspect of the story. I didn't even mind that it was all in her head. I kind of almost assumed that the planet was in her head. Yeah. At points, but because you're like, you're seeing the house here, I'm like, there's something not quite right here. Well, and after you get that uh, final, uh, it's probably actually before, no, it's before the final scene where you, you go back to the house, you get the car keys, you find the mom in the wheelchair in the basement, throw her out of it, and then you come back to wherever you are in the overgrown tomb. And mm-hmm. it turns out that the house that was there 
was just a bunch of rocks. Yeah, you I know, thought that was kind of cool. You're like, oh. And it really is all in her head. It really was all in her head. <laughs> what do you give this game? And I'm going to ask this twice. What do you give the game just based off the gameplay? And then what do you give it as a whole story included? Gameplay, I would give it a nine. With the story, I'd give it eight and a half. I'm similar and I'm not. Okay. With with the gameplay, just gameplay, I'm a 9-5. Okay. But this game is up my alley. Now, I'm yes. going to say this one more time. This is not for everybody. No. This game is challenging. And I don't mean that other games aren't challenging. I mean, you really got to put time to get better at this game. And it has to be something that you want to play before you get into it. Personally, I would hate playing this game. But watching you play it was super fun. Yeah, you really have to be willing to, quote unquote, get good. And <laughs> dodge. And you have to be used to... Die a lot. You'll, you will die a lot. And if you're the kind of person that can't handle that kind of thing, because there's no a, a way to adjust the difficulty. It's no. just hard. Yes, there is no, like, easy... And you have to say, I'm going to get slightly better each run, and most of the time that's true. Yeah, you had a couple nights where you're like, I'm just going to F around and see if I can find some new guns. Well, and it was funny because, like, we, when we went back to playing the first area, I was like, this is so easy. Yes. <laughs> like, this isn't even a challenge. Even with the weaker guns, this is so easy. And then I get to some of the harder areas, and I'm like, I'm amazed at how much better I am at this game. Mm-hmm. Figure out the enemies, figure out their patterns, play through it. I really, but for me, this was super enjoyable. So the gameplay, with the actual story tacked on, the game is a 7-5. I didn't like it. Really? I don't like what they did. I, let me let me say this differently. I think the story was very unique, and what they were going for was cool. I don't like how vague it was. Execution could have been a little better. Execution could have been a lot better, not just a little better. It didn't frustrate me as much as The Last of Us Part Two did, because their execution leaves a lot to be desired. This one was just more of a, oh, it's open to interpretation, but they didn't give you enough to interpret. That's why I, drive, that's why I just <laughs> hate, I, I didn't like that. I wish they left a lot more concrete stuff and then it could have been like was this Celine or was it her mom and let you the player kind of decide if they left something like that being ambiguous right was the car crash her mom or was it Celine if that was the kid a boy or a girl or were there two different kids or were there two different kids like would why not just make it more concrete knowledge of some of the stuff yeah and not leave all of it out in the open and that's kind of what it feels like, like everything was just like well, I guess the player can just kind of figure it out and guess and go from there. There is also a um, an ending if you don't explore the house enough and you don't get the car keys. Oh, really? Yes. What's the ending? I'm going to their Wikipedia page because I forgot to add that to my little cheat sheet. Hold, please. There's an actual ending. I'll tell you, oh, there's a third ending I didn't know about. So if Celine, this is straight from Wikipedia. So if you don't even bother going in the house, basically. Yes. If Celine did not recover the car keys, she proceeds to the bottom of the abyss where she encounters a massive octopus-like alien creature. She then relives the memory of the second car crash where Celine sees an astronaut standing in the middle of the road and swerves to avoid it, driving the car off a bridge and into a nearby lake. As both Celine and Helios start to drown, Celine's vision clouds up, implying she is looping back to the ship crash. Okay. So then if she recovered the car keys, she opens the car and confronts a corrupted version of Thea, which is her mom. 
Uh, she fights off Thea and is transported back in time where it's revealed that she is the astronaut that her past self swerved to avoid, meaning Celine paradoxically caused the car crash she experienced. Celine then finds herself underwater, swims to the surface, crying out Helios's name. In a later audio log, she concludes that she has no way to atone for her son's death, but accepts that being trapped in the cycle on Atropos is where she belongs. So those were the two endings we got. There's not a third ending. Oh. That's the original ending that you just read. Oh. And that's the second ending. Yeah, that's where my pregnancy brain is right and now. And that's the <laughs> and that's Wikipedia kind of describing how they see see it. Yes. That's honest to God, so much interpretation. The game doesn't tell you any of this. No. So I that's the best interpretation I've seen. Yeah. Maybe I should have just read this rather than all those other theory ones. But even still, like no one knows if that's the actual case for everything. Yeah. What they true. said was descriptively true, but it might not be story-wise, not might be 100% true. We just don't know. So that's why it but if it's just playing the game, it was a 9.5 for me, but with that story tacked on, it was about a 7.5. Really? It takes it down that low for you? I really I like good character development. I like a good story. And when they took that out, it really, it, it, it bothered me to a point because I'm like, if you're not into this game, like this is not your favorite thing, there's nothing that's going to keep you pulling you forward. Oh, no, not at all. No. And so for me, that's a big detractor for me. Okay. If the game, even if the story was ambiguous, but left, like it had enough concrete, I'd still take it to like an 859. Okay. It'd lose a point here, but like when it was that vague, it was kind of like, what the heck am I, what am I, what am I, what's going on? Just let me shoot more monsters. Yeah. At that point, just let me keep running through and shooting monsters because that's what I'm enjoying doing here. Mm-hmm. The beginning story was really good too. Yeah. And even then- if they kept it an alien world phenomena kind of thing and it's just me breaking out of this cycle, I'd like that too. I also really liked the mid-game twist of like, you get off the planet and you live your life. And you die. And then you come back. And then you come back. And I'd be like, okay, so I didn't break the cycle. What do I need to do to break the cycle? If they kept that as the generic story, I'd have been fine with that. Yeah, the psychological thriller portion got a little too... Here's the thing. I like (laughs) the psychological thriller aspect of her being trapped on a planet and dying and coming back. And even her getting a little crazy and trying to figure out why these... Dealing with that, yeah. why are these aliens keeping me here? What did they build that's keeping me trapped here? And then maybe, it would be, let's just say, theoretically, she's able to break this loop and she actually escapes for the final time. And she's able to live her life and then she finally dies and just... It ends with you being buried. Yeah, and move on, or just move on, you know, yeah. she gets to move on, not in that death, lo- that death, death loop. loop. The game's really good, people. We just ragged on the story for so long. (laughs) The story is just too vague. Yeah. But the actual game play is worth it if it's a type of game you enjoy. Yeah. Watch some YouTube videos first before you dive into it, because I wouldn't recommend just jumping into this game. It's not for the uh, faint of heart. (laughs) No. You will die a lot. You will slowly get better if you keep playing. And I think the combat and... Some of the stories worth chasing, but most of it's not. Okay. That's uh yeah. I lost a couple points because of that for me though. Lost more points than I thought it was going to. Yeah, I know. 
Sorry, everybody. This is our first game review in a while. We're playing a couple more because there's more games coming out that we want to play. Well, right now we're only playing Subnautica Below Zero. But Ratchet & Clank comes out next month. Mm-hmm. And so does the Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy expansion. Inter- yeah, so I will give a light review on the PlayStation 5 version of it, but I'll give a full review of Integrate, the Yuffie story for Final Fantasy VII. You're so stoked. I'm so stoked. <laughs> Can, I'm just here they for can, it. They can drip feed it into my veins and I'll just be the happiest. Just suck it through my veins. <laughs> I'll be the happiest camper ever. Mm-hmm. If you want to reach out to us, guys, we're at Gaming Marriage on Twitter or GamingMarriage at gmail.com if there's another game you'd like us to play, especially if it's a short indie. We would love to try it and get a quick game review out. We like doing the video game reviews. We just play them very slow. We do. We like to take our time. We don't like rushing through things. So Part of me feels like we need to change the name of our podcast. So the gaming like, with mostly anime, but a video game here and there. Married with nerd tendencies. Married with nerd tendencies. There's <laughs> <laughs> video games and anime. And magic. And magic. Ben wants to do and, a magic one. And Simpsons. There's a lot of quotes from The Simpsons. That's just my $900 dollars dudes. Tobias. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) All right, everybody. Have a good one, and I'll catch you soon, okay? Bye. Bye.